Um, one other announcement. Last week I invite, invited people to consider giving um, Walmart or Walgreens gift cards to support hurricane relief in Puerto Rico. So if you did that or if you want to, if you want to do that, let me know. Um, I'll be sending a, um, I don't know, a, a package depending on how much stuff I have to send. Um, sometime this week. So I forgot to send an email this week, which I said I would do. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But that, uh, you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to do that, it's through the Free Methodist Church, which is my um, employer. I do social media for them. That's my job. Um, so, I'm Mark. My name is Mark Crawford. I have news for you. You're going to learn a lot about me tonight. It's, it's going to be a fun night. All right. Let's go to the Word. Jeremiah 24, 6 and 7. My eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this time that we have to come together and spend time together to worship you and and eat together and learn more about you and i pray that you would uh bless the words that i speak that they would be from you you now pray amen so jeremiah 24 6 and 7 was the verse that god gave me and lane a uh, few weeks after we started dating. And it's a really important verse. It's a really significant inver- verse for me in particular, and, and it's really important to Lane because it says, I will plant them and not uproot them. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will bring them back to this land. And that's important for me because I don't belong anywhere. I have never felt like I belonged anywhere. The only, really the only place I've ever felt like I belonged was in my immediate family. In fact, I was talking to, I I asked my sister about this this week as, as, as I was preparing, and she said, I said, do you ever struggle with this? And she said, yes. I feel like there's a, a part of me that no one sees when they, they look at me. I'm getting ahead of myself. So I was born in Michigan, in Jackson, Michigan, um, 
my dad was a doctor in Jackson, and we lived in Spring Arbor. Technically, we lived in Parma, but that none of you know what Parma is, so that's okay. We lived in Spring Arbor, and Spring Arbor is famous. Spring Arbor, Michigan, is famous for two things. There is Spring Arbor uh, Free Methodist Church, which is a large Free Methodist Church in Michigan. And there's a university, Spring Arbor University. At the time I was born, it was called Spring Arbor College. It's a small Christian school. And that's where we lived. That's where I was from. That's, I grew up cheering for uh, the Michigan Wolverines and for the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Red Wings and Detroit Tigers, who were horrible, and that's okay. Those are all sports teams, for those of you who don't know. (laughs) So I was born in Michigan. I said for a long time that I was from Michigan. And when I was five, my parents, who always wanted to be missionaries, had an opportunity to be missionaries in Mexico. And they had some friends who were in northern Mexico, and there was, an out, there was an opening for a Christian doctor at Carondelet in Nogales. And so we moved to Nogales, and my dad was a doctor on the United States. I went to school in the United States, and we spent all of our time in Mexico at church uh, doing ministry. And I want, this is important because I, I want to point out how weird that is. I have never met anyone with, with that. I mean, not, not like the doctor and ministry and everything, but like the lived in the United States, spent most of their time in Mexico as a white American. I have never met anyone. If you know someone, I'd like to talk to them. I've never met anyone with that circumstance outside of my own family. So we lived in Nogales. I went to church in Mexico. When I was a sophomore in high school, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, we planted a church called Manantial de Vida, which means Fountain of Life. And when we were getting ready to plant that church, the pastor, whose name was Juan Carlos, for some reason saw me, and when we were talking to people, I have this very distinct memory, we were talking to someone, and they said, who's going to lead worship at this new church? And Juan Carlos put his arm around me and said, Mark is. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> but he got his way, and I did. And those two years, my junior and my senior year of high school, are very foundational in my walk with Christ. I started leading worship at the church, and the worship team had a Bible study with Juan Carlos every week. And the people in that Bible study are very dear to me. I think about them a lot, because those two years were were pivotal in my walk with Christ. It was where God instilled in me a a deep longing for a relationship with him. 
And it all happened in Mexico. And that really was when I started telling people that I'm from Mexico, not from Michigan. But it didn't quite fit because I went to school in the United States and all my friends were in Mexico and there's a tension there. So I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't belong. I wanted to belong. I couldn't quite get there. And so when I graduated high school, I made the decision to go back to Michigan to try to figure out where I was from, to try to figure out where I belonged. And I also really didn't want to live in Tucson. And that's important to know. Everyone from Nogales moves to Tucson. There are so many of... Neither here nor there. I didn't want to be in Tucson, and I wanted to figure out where I was from. So I went to Spring Arbor University, and it was a disaster. How many, how many of you have ever, ever experienced something called culture shock? Yeah? How many of you have ever experienced something called reverse culture shock? Emily knows. Karen? Yeah? Ryan? It's where you, you go back to what should be your culture, and you find that you don't fit. There's something weird. There's something that's not quite right. And I went back to Spring Arbor, and I was depressed and lonely, and I thought as a missionary kid that people would call me and, and invite me out and, and say, hey, come over for dinner, and that didn't really happen. I made one friend. One really good friend. I made a few friends, but one really good friend. His name is Jay. And Jay was born in Mexico, and when he was five, he moved to the United States so his parents could plant churches. <laughs> My one good friend from Spring Harbor. The one person who I felt like could sort of kind of relate to me. I flunked out of Spring Arbor because I had a really hard time and I didn't belong and I didn't go to class. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) So I had to find a job and I had to find a community college to go to so I ended up in Tucson, and I got a job at Starbucks on Speedway and Country Club, and I started taking classes at Pima, and that didn't go super great either. And I never really felt like I could fit in in Tucson, mostly because I was working with the navigators uh, at the U of A, but I wasn't going to the U of A, so I didn't fit in there. And on the weekends, I was going home to Nogales to spend time with my friends in Mexico. So I had one foot in Mexico with all of my friends in Mexico and one foot in Tucson, and I still didn't 
have anywhere to be, and I still didn't know where I was from and where I belonged. And I did that for three years, and I just wanted out. And one day, my friend Jay called me up and said, hey, I'm going to pastor this church in Texas. I'd like you to come with me because I need a friend there, someone to, to support me. And, and I, I think I agreed on the same day. Like I didn't, I didn't take hardly, I mean, it was like while we were talking to each other on the phone, I was like, all right, I'm moving to Texas. So I moved to Texas. Again, to try to f- find out who I was and where I was supposed to be. And it was a disaster. It was, it was really bad. I've talked to Eric. I've talked to Eric about it several times, and every time he asks me about it, I say, "Oh, it's good. It's a good time." And then he starts asking me questions, and it everything that happened was a disaster. Partly because the church was a very broken place with a lot of broken people, and a lot of people who were unwilling to admit that they were broken. And partly because Jay was twenty three and I was twenty two, and we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, come on. But when I, the last three months I was there, while I was there, I led worship. We had four services a week. We had Wednesday night, Friday night, and two services on Sunday. And while I was there, some, there's another guy who led worship with me. The last three months I was there, he left. He said, I don't want to be here anymore. And so I spent the last three months in Texas leading worship four times a week, plus a practice on Thursday nights, and I was exhausted. And I wrecked my voice. I was broken. I had no idea what I was doing. And everything fell apart, and I had nowhere to go. The only thing I came away from there thinking was, God wants me to be a pastor. I don't know why, because it was a disaster. (laughs) So my parents very graciously took me back in for about six months. And then I... There was a, a pastor who I had heard speak one time. He said, whenever you move to a new place, find a church and stay there for a year. Build relationships. Try to make friends. But if it doesn't work, just stay there for a year. And the only reason you would leave is if there's some kind of heresy. But otherwise, you're just going to stay there. And so I needed a job. I needed to go back to school. And I needed to come back to Tucson. God, again, forced me back to Tucson. And I don't, I don't really, I don't like to believe in coincidence, but the Sunday that I was trying to find a church, I said, I'll go to three churches, and I'll pick one of them. And I went to a Spanish-speaking one in the morning, and then in the evening, my brother David was visiting from Detroit. He was in medical school in Detroit, and they were visiting. 
and they invited me to come to the village with them. And we sat right back there. And I remember looking at David and seeing the joy that he had in being here and the way people said hi to him and embraced him. And I said, I want that. And I didn't go to a third church. (laughs) A couple weeks later, I spent the Super Bowl talking to Elliot about the Patriots. So that was in January 2012. Came to the village. And this is where you find out that I'm a lot like Jonah. I tried to get out of Tucson after God did all the, dist- like, I, I had all these disasters and God kept bringing me back to Tucson. And God said, go find a church, be there, build relationships. And I spent the next year and a half trying to get out of Tucson, still. I was so hard-hearted. I... I don't know. I'm, I am like Jonah, trying to run away from where God wanted me to be. And that hard-heartedness kept me blind from the really good things that God wanted to give me, the really good things that God had for me, not just at the village, but just in life and in Tucson and in following what he wanted for me. And about a year and a half after I started coming here, I had a job offer at a church in Tennessee to be their connecting pastor for their English-speaking service and their Spanish-speaking service. And the person who would go between them because they were having trouble communicating. And God shut it down. And he basically smacked me on the head and said, you have not done what I told you to do. I told you, be here. Build relationship. Plant yourself. What are you doing? And God softened my heart and opened my eyes and that was in April 2013 so it wasn't quite a year and a half in a couple months after a few months after that Eric asked me to come on leadership at the village a few months after that I started dating Lane basically a few months after that we got married wasn't very long, it was about seven months. And now we have a lovely daughter, and she's over there, distracting all the people over here. <laughs> Just kidding. 
I'm also a lot like Ruth. So Ruth was from Midian, and she married an Israelite man who was there, and her husband died, and then her husband's brother died, and her husband's father died, and her mother-in-law decided to move back to Israel and told her two daughter-in-laws, just go back to your families. And Ruth said, no, I will go with you. Your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. And when she got to Israel, she didn't complain about Israel. She didn't complain about the work she did. She had to do. She didn't she just went with Naomi, her mother-in-law, and God did a lot of things through her. So if you don't know, Ruth's son was Obed. Obed's son was Jesse. Jesse's son was David, who's King David, who, what? Well, Boaz was her husband. So Ruth and Boaz's son was Obed. Obed's son was Jesse. Jesse's son was David. King David who wrote all the Psalms. When I actually planted myself at the village and in Tucson, when I actually said, God, build me up and not tear me down, he did amazing things. He had things for me, and my heart was hard towards him, and then my heart was softened and I was able to see the things that he had for me. So we're talking about belonging, and this is my journey to belonging at the village. And what I've realized is that we don't feel like we belong anywhere at first. And I think this is true about everybody. It's not just true about me. I have a really hard time feeling like I belong, but we don't feel like we, we go, we go somewhere and we talk to people and we have nice conversations and they make us feel welcome, but we don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like we belong until we invest in relationships, until we build friendships, until we actually decide to be somewhere. So we can feel welcome, but we don't feel like we belong until we do those things. We build up. So I think church, why don't we belong? I think church is a, a lot like a gym. I don't really go to the gym. <laughs> but I have a pretty good idea of what gyms are like. So I think there are three kinds of people who go to a gym. The first kind I don't think is necessarily applicable to any of us here, unless you're visiting, in which case I would love to talk to you and hope you come back. But there are people who go to the gym and they sign up, and then they go maybe another time, but they don't really go anymore. They sign up because they, they, they're like, I need to go to the gym, and then they're like, no, I'm not going to go back. 
So there are people who go to church, right? We go to church and then we decide, nah, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't feeling it. I'm not going to go back. And then the second kind of people, second type of person, second type of person who go to the gym, who goes to the gym. Man, I'm struggling with my, what's that word? I don't know. Yeah. The second type of person who goes to the gym, there we go, is the, the person who, we, you, you go to the gym and you don't really know how to use the treadmill, right? You, you don't know which weights are for which muscles and you don't want to look foolish so you don't ask for help and at home you don't really change any of your habits. You just kind of keep doing the same thing you're doing. And then the third kind is the people who actually go, they learn how to use the machines, they learn how to use which exercises to do, they change their habits, they change the things they're doing, and they actually get in shape and they're transformed and things happen, right? So these are, are two types of people, and I really think we all go back and forth between the two. We all open ourselves up, we all are willing to be vulnerable, and we come in and we say, look, here's my stuff. And you get into conversations and people talk to you and you're vulnerable and then they touch on that one thing and you're like, nope. I'm not talking about that. It's like when you go to the gym and they say you have to stop eating Doritos. And you're like, nope. I need my Doritos. That's what it's like at church. We, we, we are willing to build relationships to a certain point. We say, I'll be in community, but I, I don't want to be friends with that person. I'll be friends with these people, but not that person. I'll tell you about these things, but not this thing. And that's where I was in a lot of ways. It's still where I am. But we, I think there are two reasons why we don't belong. And the first one is the thing that I've already talked about, which is my struggle with belonging, which is we don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like when we go somewhere, we don't feel like we belong, so we don't go back. And when we step past that, the reason we don't belong is because we're afraid. It's because we sit in the fear that if we are really seen if for who we are, that we won't, we'll be told we don't belong. We'll be told we can't be here. We'll be told, I don't want to see you anymore. And that fear is devastating. And that fear keeps us from so many good things. It keeps us from being vulnerable. It keeps us b- 
Bonhoeffer is a, he's a, a German priest who was killed by the Nazis. In his book, Life Together, he talks about community, and he says, we can only truly know our brother in Christ, and we can only truly know God in community. The only way we are going to experience any kind of healing, which at the village, our motto is healing the city one person at a time. The only way we will experience healing in Jesus is by being in community, by being vulnerable in community, by allowing other people to see us. Because when we are vulnerable, we're not being vulnerable to another person. We're being vulnerable to the community of God. We're being vulnerable to Jesus. And it's scary. We open ourselves up to being hurt. We open ourselves up to painful stories, to the things that we don't want to touch, the things that we don't want anyone to see. But those things sit in the dark and they fester unless we are willing to open ourselves up and and allow other people to see us. And that's where Jesus steps in. So why should you belong? You should belong because God commands us to belong in community. He tells us that we need to be in community. We need the community of Christ around us. Why should you belong at the village? I really like the village. This is a this is a beautiful place and it's a painful place and it's a place where we should put right we should put crime scene tape up at the door because there's it's 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 hard. We are all broken. But it's a good place. And I think you should belong. Because this is where God has me and I want to be in community with you. So next week we're doing the belonging service. This week as we lead up to the belonging service, I want to invite you to think about why why you should belong why you don't belong, why you feel like you don't belong. I want to invite you to think about the places that you're hiding away because you don't want anyone to see it. And I'm not, I think you should talk to people about it, but offer it to Jesus this week and say, next week is belonging. I'm going to decide to belong God, what will you do this year? God invited me to plant myself for a year. I'm inviting you to plant yourself for a year. So, let's pray. I think, yeah. Father, thank you for 
this community. Thank you for all the ways that you have um, lit my path and pushed me along. Thank you for the village. Thank you for all the people that you have placed in my life to speak into the dark places, to speak into my brokenness. Father, I lift up this community as we consider belonging at the village, as we consider belonging in your community, as we consider you and what you have done in our lives and what you would do. Father, I lift up this community and I pray that you would bless them. That this year would be a year of blessing, that it would be a year of plenty. I thank you, Lord, for your community and for your blessings. In your name we pray. Amen.